Hey there, film fans. My name is Jeff. My name is Dave. <laughs> and I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid us being lazy, negative, wannabe critics, we are making this a drinking game, people. Yes, Anytime we are. you. <laughs> Dave, handle a bourbon. I thought this was a beer drinking podcast <laughs> for this week's episode here. Anytime you hear this sound, we're drinking, people. That means we're drinking. Yeah. I hope you're drinking with us as well. Pour yourselves a glass and give it up for a film we love and a film we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, let's kick it off. Get that bur- oh bourbon out, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus. That's right. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hype it up earlier this week. So this is the 11th week. Of our, it was the best of film. It was the worst of film series. Eleventh week where we take an Oscar-nominated film and a Razzie-nominated film and put them up against each other. Oscar film is the United States versus Billy Holiday. Music is our Razzie film. That's what's coming our way, people. But first, we have to shout our people out. John, can we do some shout-outs? We can do some shout-outs. His name is Carlos Barroza, the legendary brewmaster. <laughs> he has a handle on Instagram. It's Cbarozo Bar 2019. Go ahead and give it a follow. That's C B A R R O Z O B A R 2019. And if you're digging the music on this episode and every single motherfucking episode, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash dasign dash artist. That's dasign, D A S E I N. And if you would not mind, please like us, love us, follow us, subscribe, all the things at the love of cinema pod, except for Twitter. Don't ask us why. It's just at the love of cinema. Jeff, God damn it. Don't ask. Yeah. Don't, don't ask us why. Twitter people. has a Just character restriction on their names right. too, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder, if you reach out to us on the socials, we do respond. We, we do. do respond. All right. So go ahead and feel free to like and subscribe and stay in touch. We would love to hear from you. So yes, we are going to be discussing the United States Billy Holiday, which is a movie about how fuck J. Edgar Hoover <laughs> and the entire <laughs> FBI Seriously. during the civil rights movement, specifically I mean, Billy Holiday. Laugh, who, it's fucking true. <laughs> Yeah. Billy Holiday, man, she was she's just so fucking incredible. Um, so United States vs. Billy Holiday is gonna be our Oscar nominated film, nominated for Andra. Andra is nominated. So there you go. Andrew Day. Um and then <laughs> Andrew Day. Which guess what? That day was inspired by Billy Holiday when she chose that name. Oh, so awesome. what are the odds that she'd be doing this role? Yeah, yeah Lady Day, Billy Holiday. And then music, which is the movie about how the Golden Globe voters are not on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> oh. we'll talk all about music for those of you who have not seen or heard oh. of music um just 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 it's been go- it's it has really bad reviews music is, music it's nominated is pretty for much what happens when the hollywood foreign press runs out of while the white people to nominate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. we're not even talking um, about it yet you guys <laughs> It, it crossed some insensitive barriers by casting a, a non-person of needs to play a, a person of needs role. Um, if you want to know more about it and our take on it, stick around until the end of the episode, please. We'll tell you more about it. I'm going to assume you listening have not seen the film, so don't think you should just tune it off. I think the, this, I think it's going to be catered towards don't through. see the you movie. You should sit through this. <laughs> so li- listen to a little bit more if you've been hearing about why people are complaining about it. You know, we'll try to... We'll try to tell you a little bit about it so that you don't have to watch it. All right. But first, uh, before we get into the United States versus Billie Holiday, let's keep the people informed with what we've been up to. Dave, what have you been watching? 
What have I been watching? Uh, well, unless you've been living under a rock and you skipped our uh, little sneaky midweek broadcast, I've been watching the four-hour Justice League extravaganza, the Snyder Cut. I uh, sat through it the day it came out. I did, a, I did like an eight-hour shift at work and then just literally walked out and went, okay, Snyder Cut's on. And my wife's like, cool, I'm going to the bedroom to read a book because she's done with superheroes by this point. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... She didn't have another four hours. And I, yeah, I, I did, she didn't have I all did, of WandaVision yeah, in her. I made it come out, watched a couple of bits. But, yeah, other than that, I pretty much left her alone. I sat there and enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> also, I watched, uh, just for fun, I was doing a little bit of late night work and I threw on Willow, which uh, anyone who hasn't seen Willow, oh. it's uh, if Ron Howard did Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. Mm. But it's, oh, it's a it's a classic film, and it's going to be a TV series a, coming I soon. I love so, Willow, dude. Yeah. I fucking love yeah. Willow, especially when I was a kid. I was obsessed with that. Ron Howard has a hilarious story about when he walked past uh, what could only be described as uh, the little people, the extras, having an orgy. It's a hilarious story. They were like, like taking a break, and they were all just fucking each other. And he was just like, "Oh my, oh my goodness!" Jesus. I recommend getting on YouTube and looking up Ron Howard Willow interview. Yeah, you will have a good do laugh. Do not, do not get on there and type anything involving that and orgy. Uh, we don't endorse that at all. <laughs> you'll go down, you'll go down a different fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> all right, I uh, I watched the only thing. I was out of town for some of this week, so the only movie I got to see uh, was inspired by the Deacons podcast. They were interviewing uh, Benoit Delhomme who uh, did the theory of everything, a cinematographer who did the theory mm. of everything and uh, lawless, a few of this John Hillcoat's movies. So oh. I had never seen the proposition, which I'm obsessed with Guy Pierce. And I feel like that guy just doesn't make enough movies. John Hillcoat did the road lawless and the proposition, Australian, Australian mm. film set in Australia. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. It's on Amazon he was Prime. LA Definitely confidential, right? He was in uh, LA Guy Pierce. Yeah. 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 That's one of his so best good. films. And Priscilla, dude. Queen of the Desert. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's one of his best films. But, yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, Memento. Get out of here. With Memento. Yeah, stuff. of course. Yeah, fuck um, yeah. Uh, he also did that Time Machine reboot that everybody forgot about. But I saw it on a plane. Not so bad. Mildred uh, Pierce. The K-Wings of Mildred Pierce. Anyway, Jeff, do it. What do you want? All right. Enough with the Guy Pierce stuff. All right. How much RuPaul did it. you consume this week? This is. It was the oh. finale of RuPaul UK, and and this is basically just a victory lap. Nothing was decided. They, they chose a winner, but it didn't really matter. So it was matter. like the, they, they it was the Avengers Endgame of uh, RuPaul. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it, they literally went, and you win, and everybody was like, sure, oh. you know, like it didn't even like it, nobody won it in the last week. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. It was a victory lap. Okay, so then. Um, <laughs> They did not choose my favorite, by the way. They chose my second nah. favorite. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then I did watch one film since we had an extra couple days this week. Thanks to John's trip. I watched Coming to... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I still haven't good. seen this. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It, it has the 15-minute problem where they, they give you all the information up front. And so it's not funny for like 10 or 15 minutes while they give you the plot. And then once they get through that, Back to the then jokes. there's some really funny stuff. It's Morgan Freeman narrates a funeral for a person who isn't dead yet. <laughs> It's like, you know, like it's stuff like that. It's really funny. It's it's really, really, really good job. So cool, Teddy Murphy. Um, and then I watch, that's probably it. That's it. I watch that. Um, excited for next week, though. I did real fast. I just wanted to throw this in there. I forgot. I With my parents, I watched that documentary on its own HBO Max, Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind. It's just his, his life. Oh, oh I've seen that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So Dude. fun. So powerful. Miss you, Robin. Thank you for believing. All right, let's do a show, dude. Oh my god! Just, just awesome. one, okay, one thing before it. we get so, into this, I, I looked up this week because yeah. I was curious. Um, 
about Razzie voting because we had a little bit of a, a rant uh, oh, with yeah. uh, Glenn Close. And I looked up how to vote in the Razzies and I was very, very unsurprised to discover that you buy your vote in the mm. Razzies. You have to you what? make a donation what? and like buy a membership. And if you buy a membership, you're allowed to vote. Oh, and man. I'm like, it's, I, I, I didn't realize, like, is the Razzies just a money grab? Mm. Oh, probably, like, like, yeah, probably in some weird reverse publicity kind of way, yeah. So, so right. I'm, yeah, well, I'm thinking from now on we just, we just do the good films. Okay, <laughs> we're all about yeah. it. We're Although, all about it. So this, I'll change the poster this week. <laughs> was it? What was our Razzie film? Was it, was Hillbilly our Razzie film last week? It yes. was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we were, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, we may have missed yeah. that. That also, that, anyway, that, also put, yeah, that also put a sour taste in my mouth. So this will be our last Razzie film, I think. I think so, yeah. I am rooting I'm rooting for Mike Lindell, and I, I'm actually rooting for um, Maria Bakalova, Oscar nominee, <laughs> and Rudy Giuliani to win Worst On-Screen Duo. I think that would be really funny. It's like, what a what a prize for Maria Bakalova. She's nominated for an Oscar and wins a Razzie for her I scene with like Rudy Giuliani. I feel like out of anyone, she'd appreciate that the most, too. Yeah. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. She'd be like, she I did, did my job she did perfectly. Her, she did her goddamn job, people. It was so fucking great. Okay, let's get into our stuff here, people. We're done with the. This is our 11th and final week of Razzie Films. We had fun with it, but but this movie crossed the line, and so we're and so did Hillbilly Elegy, so we're done. Okay, let's do it. Fuck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you'd sneak it in, but no. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's get into our let's get into our, our our featured segment here. So the United States versus Billie Holiday. So United States versus Billie Holiday, by the way, is a, it's a little critically mixed. It's got fifty three percent, but an eighty three percent audience score. Hmm. Uh, this is available for streaming right this very second on. Hulu, and it is directed by Lee Daniels. And it's funny because somebody asked me, "Who's Lee Daniels?" And I was like, "He directed Lee Daniels, The Butler." Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know that, <laughs> he directed Precious, and he's directed other films. Um, he did not insert his name into this one. Uh, starring Andrew Day, this is her uh, feature film debut. Apparently, she's a musician. It's, an it's artist, certainly a feature film, film lead debut. Yeah, she has like thirty yeah, singer exactly. credits, and th- this is this is like a, a yeah. and what a debut to come out with. Yeah, she was apparently Stevie Wonder loved her and Stevie Wonder's wife, and that's how she was sort of discovered about 10 years okay. ago. Um, Trevante Rhodes, who you may know from the third act of Moonlight. Uh, Garrett Hedlund has decided he's not young anymore and he's done with that and he's ready to play some older roles. And then Natasha Leone, who uh, has been blowing up since her show on Netflix last year. That was a good um, show, too. So there you go. So that's was really, really, really funny. So that's the that's the that's the um, the head the featured cast. And then the movie is about Billie Holiday. I'm going to be up front in my segment here of this is not the first. In fact, I don't even think it's only one of two uh, films where they don't know what to do with the biopic format because we've already, there's Billie Holiday format, Billie Holiday biopics out there. So it's the, the, the United States federal government, the FBI was after Billie Holiday because she knew they knew she abused drugs, but really they didn't like the fact that um, Strange Fruit, her very, very famous and iconic song was about lynchings in the South. 
Um, the song was first recorded in the 30s, I believe 1937, 1939, somewhere in that time period, 1939. Uh, and then throughout the 40s, and then, and then again in the 50s and 60s, it was a rallying cry throughout the country um, that lynchings were going on. And this, it opens, the, this movie opens with a title scroll that I didn't know, but I don't I mind sharing. I think a lot of people didn't know. Yeah, and, and I, I, I liked the surprise in the film. I guess liked is not the right word, but I'll say it on the podcast just to get you guys into what this movie's about. Uh, in 1937, a bill to ban lynchings was brought to the Senate. So lynchings is literally murder. A bill to ban... So you think murdered are, is already banned? Like, you think that's inherent? But I guess there were legal lynchings? I don't know. A bill to ban lynchings no, of African-Americans was brought to the Senate. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I just make it. Yeah. I'm just trying to make sense out of this fucking yeah, thing. It doesn't, it doesn't in 1937. make sense. But yeah, yeah. And yeah. I bet you can guess the United States Senate in 1937 did not pass this bill. So lynchings were not banned in 1937. Billie Holiday records Strange Fruit in 1939. Our movie primarily takes place in the late 40s and 50s. So the FBI is after her, and they keep saying it's because of her drug use. They want to get to. Um, you know, the top, the dealers. But she's on a United States tour at one point, And they're asking who's, like, they don't, they don't care about her supplier. They just want her to stop singing Strange mm. Fruit. And they want to basically shut out African-American voices, especially hers, which at this point was probably the loudest that people had heard. So especially since about. some people kept requesting the song. Everyone wanted her to sing it. Yeah, and, and I think they did a really good job in this movie of showing the audiences were primarily white because who was affording tickets throughout the country mm. Um, was white, middle-class, upper-middle-class people, and they wanted to hear her sing Strange Fruit. White people wanted to hear her sing Strange Fruit. Mm-hmm. J. Edgar Hoover was a very, 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 very much a racist. This is like the third film where he was remind- where we were reminded feel like that he's a racist one, that came out I feel this like year. this one pulled less punches than any of the other ones we saw. Like, there, there were a couple that, like, danced, like, they so one of them danced around it. The other one was like, okay, yeah, this happened. And this one just went yeah. for it. Like, the, that scene... Mm-hmm. It, like there, there have been so many films this year that feature old white men sitting in smoky rooms making bonehead decisions but this one really just took oh, it man. a step further like those guys were fucking horrible and they those guys were fucking yeah horrible. they highlight it and it's it's there it's for I'll everyone s- to see the last thing about the plot that i'll say is um and this is a true story that i didn't know is that a federal agent named jimmy fletcher who was uh black actually infiltrates Billie Holiday's personal circle. They ended up having an affair, but he does give her up and he does lead, it does lead to a raid, his, their first relationship. Mm. And it's not until after she's arrested because of Jimmy Fletcher, her lover and black FBI agent, um, that he realizes that he was duped by the FBI. He was used. They didn't care about him as an agent. They just knew that he was the only one that could infiltrate her. And mm. so he regains that affair later. And is he still in the FBI? Is he her lover in that relationship? That's an interesting angle too. But really, this is all about Billy and Billy Holiday going through what she was going through, you know, trying to be this advocate and the FBI following her mm. uh, for bullshit reasons. So who wants to go away with some initial takeaways of the film? Initial takeaways, besides how fucking powerful a lot of it was. Yeah. yeah. Dave, keep going with what you were saying about the do you feel like that was the spirit of the entire film as well? Just the going for it attitude and the, the um, way the script was written? I Yeah, I feel like this one did not sugarcoat any of the, the racist shit that was going on at the time at all. Like, they were right up front. It's right there in your face. But it fits in with the story that they're trying to tell in that, yeah, this is, like, this is what happened. We're not going to Hollywood it. We're not the... going to do anything. Yeah. Like, 
this is just what happened. I thought that was true for the misogyny as well. How oh yeah, how yeah, casually they beat her up, the men in her life, except for Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fletcher's character, took advantage of her, hurt her emotionally, physically, and how yeah, there's. I, I thought it was you know very on point that they chose those two. Uh, one of the songs. Uh, when she was in one of the middle shows where she opens the show with, people keep telling me, why aren't you doing more for our race? Why aren't you being nice? And I tell them this, and they sing that song. Mm. Uh, you know, if I choose, if my daddy beats me, ain't no business but mine. If my husband beats me, ain't no business but mine. Like they were also being shameless about 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 that as well. So yeah, uh, say, what, say what you want about Which, the, sadly, the, yeah. the tone that Lee, uh, Lee Daniels and style tends to bring to his stuff. You may or may, may not appreciate that very much, but... This is a uh, this is pretty raw and honest, and I think uh, the performances. I'd be very curious to talk to Lee Daniels in the script, like uh, the screenplay writer Susan Lloyd Parks. Did the performances ground what you were trying to do directorially, or did you interview everyone thinking about how you wanted to make this? Because sometimes they inform each other. Because she was, you know, she was just so real that it was mm. like almost distracting sometimes you felt like you were watching like a documentary every now and then it was just yeah like i i I read some of the interviews with her and she's she was like everything i normally do as a singer to protect my voice i did the opposite so she was smoking she was drinking she was yeah yeah, everything to like it was like the joe cocker vocal warm-up that she was she was basically doing and oh my god it sounded like i had to look up i was like is she singing this and then i found out she was and i'm like i did too i'm like i did too yeah what like this it's, I mean, for me, like the, there was those half cut edits they were doing, like the half crossfade edits where there were like three things crossfade and everything. I didn't like that about the film and I didn't like some of the stuff where it jumped around. Cool. Oh yeah. yeah, okay, um, yeah, yeah. But, it's okay. but like her performance anchors everything and it's yeah. such a fucking phenomenal performance. I feel like that will get her over the line. Like you're, you're looking, win. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like as I wrote, you know, one of I think one I of think the post descriptions, like she her. can't step outside her front door without getting a fucking nomination for this performance. So it's as yeah. Do. I'm not sure if the. Uh, I still agree with everything we just said. Sometimes I did feel like the the rooms of white men were a little mustache twirly. Um, I think it's. Sometimes I know that, again, the sentiment behind that, I appreciate it as an audience member. Sometimes I think it's cringier and more disgusting when they say things not as obvious as we got to get this bitch, but they would say something that sounds professional that is super racist. Like this filibuster debate we're having now, like we we know what the fuck they're saying. And it's even cringier to me than if they would come right out and say, we hate black people. That's why we don't want to get this I'm pretty sure that that (laughs) shit came out like... But the, the, I mean, you would want to look at like we've done three of these films that showed this room full of white guys making these decisions, and it's like if an entire subset of the human race sees white people in this way and develops their art and presents white people in this way, maybe you need to have a look at yourselves, like I mean, because yeah, that is sure. like. It, in the eye of the beholder, which is coming back, like the, the eye that's coming back on us, that's how we're seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly is, people in, that, in power, especially in this, like yeah. in this case. And, and this, this movie may, unf- it, this is the worst, this is like the most unfortunate thing is that because Judas and the Black Messiah came out a little bit sooner than this, um, and just, but this year, this is such a well timed film 
Um, but for some reason, this is like late to market in a way because it's getting this burst thanks to her. And then she won the Golden Globe. It was a little bit of a surprise, not to anybody who's seen this film, I imagine. Um, but I, I, I kind of get what you're saying, John, about the mustache twirliness. Dave, you're not wrong. I think it's more so in the way that they condense the conversations into if there's five lines and all of them are on the nose like that. But at the same time, you got to keep this film moving because my, my only complaint with this film is that it was a little too long. And there was a section where she finally sings Strange Fruit after not singing it because she's not allowed to. And then there's a 20 minute montage of her going on tour and getting arrested in Italy and all this stuff. And then she comes back to the hospital at the end and it's like, okay, th- we just turned into a biopic. It's no longer about uh, that. Now we're just getting... We're just trying to make sure we don't miss anything. You know what I mean? And trying to fill it all up. Otherwise, with that, take those 20 minutes out. And I thought this was really, really powerful and maybe the most visceral experience that I've had. I'll definitely um, give you that. I'll definitely give you that one. I thought, uh, I tried to watch some of that special that Oprah did with some of the cast and Lee Daniels and Susan Laurie Parks. Apparently she likes to be referred to as SLP, the screenplay writer. And they had an exchange where they said, uh, you know, this was about how do you how do you uh, get the audience to forgive Jimmy Fletcher in the second half of the film when he kind of sneaks back into her li- not sneaks when he yeah. comes back into her life like she she lets him you know it's it's a part of it how do you get on board with her and kind of forgive him and let him back in the world and same deal with Judas and the Black Messiah I feel like both of these films um, are kind of touching on this thing that SLP remarks she basically said you know it was important to try to make make sure that was clear because. I think part of this film's uh, the message is everyone forgiving each other as we move past these terrible things that we've all laid witness to, been a part of, you know, whatever it is, not just the African-American community with, you know, within, you know, their own community, but everybody saying, okay, that did happen. Whether or not we're ashamed, we forgive each other and let's fix it now. Let's, let's forgive each other and let's move forward. And I thought that really resonated with me. I wasn't in my head about this, but of course I could not think about the parallels to Judas and the Black Messiah, the the infiltration, the mm. the people in power using, you know, uh, black people to infiltrate powerful black people, <laughs> like to to exploit yeah. them and take advantage of them. Some of my favorite little uh, side scenes, if you will, that were necessary, but I don't know if anybody else would remember them, are in the. Uh, there is a basement level in the FBI where the, the black agents work and just a few exchanges that happen there. And just some of the few lines they kind of throw at each other building up comedically. Yeah. And then kind of the, one of the last times they're there is like, you really think they got us, they got us sitting in the basement snitching on black folks. Like that's like the last line mm-hmm. that his, his close partner says to him. And I just thought it was very potent. I don't know. That's, that's one you know, thing I couldn't stop thinking about. Cause I think she felt attacked from all angles. I'll tell you the, so the scene that was heartbreaking for me and I feel like it was heartbreaking for everyone involved is the elevator scene where the, oh, Jesus Christ, where yeah, he has Jesus to stop Christ. her getting in the elevator. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you in this elevator. You have to take the service elevator. And like oh, yeah. the guy who played that was as good as her. You could see that he just hated, he hated himself, <laughs> hated himself for like what I he had to do. And I was so glad that they cut back to him after she, you know, it's her movie. So like we followed mm. her outside but then it cuts back to him for just a close up of him. Like, I don't think there were any like tears rolling down cheeks, but you could tell. Like, you could I was glad yeah. Daniels wanted to give us a moment with him where we were all like, we're the elevator guy. Yeah. No, I was like, yeah. Oh, he, fuck. he didn't want to do that, but he also didn't want I mean, to lose his damn job. Yeah. <laughs> the three of us are, are way worse than the elevator guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God. There's also just big picture. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but like, of course, I, 
could not separate. I was watching another film, very desperate to understand a point of view that I don't, you know, share, unfortunately. And this year and everything, it's just another knockout film teaching me something about the African-American experience. It doesn't matter if she's a celebrity, you know, I was still, Hmm. I still had so much to learn and I just feel like there's... I mean, also, I feel like we're, like we're so lucky. They were not making movies like this slight, even when we were growing yeah. up in the '80s and '90s. I mean, slight, <laughs> no, slightly right. jumbled aside, there's still a really compelling story in this, and her performance. It, like, it's worth watching for that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there was. It's like what, a my left foot. <laughs> there was. Oh my god, <laughs> there was. Uh, I should just gush you right for there. Um, I mean, there was that one. Sh- there was one section as well where I don't even know if it was a visual effect or if they actually built the damn thing. But like when she walks out in the rain and walks through Times Square in like the the thirties or forties, and I literally turned to my wife and I'm like, "How the fuck did they do that?" Because like it's yeah. it's raining, the sidewalk is like you can see raindrops. Like rain mm-hmm. is the bane of existence in visual effects. So like I I to the, and I can't find anything on the internet about how they did it. So if anybody knows, please reach out to me because it did look like it was. Painted a little bit, right? It looked a little CGI. That that actually distracted me a moment because I wasn't quite sure like why they chose to make why didn't they just use a rain machine? It was such a short little scene. I don't know why they didn't just have her walk down the street with a rolling dolly and actually throw some rain on it. But I know um, what you mean. I mean, if it, if if that was a visual effect, that's why. Because if you put rain yeah, if you put rain in front of that plate, you are toast, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. I do I do agree with you, though, with performance-wise. I think uh, 20 years from now, other than the historic relevance of of the story of Billie Holiday, which has never really been redeemed before until this book and then this mm. movie were made. I remember growing up, and you know, my parents loved her. My sister's obsessed with her. So I feel like I knew enough about Billie Holiday, but there was always kind of a mystery over what actually happened with her relationship with the FBI. Because, of course, you heard yeah. you, learned, you, you learned that she was a drug addict, like a lot of the great early jazz musicians. And she was gone after, and, you know, it was always kind of gray. So outside of that, I do think this is going to be one of those movies that, for better or for worse, I think people are going to watch for her performance 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the historical thing. You might watch this in, like, a class or something, but I also think most people are just going to say what she did with this this role is... is I mean, if that sneaks it across the line to get people to watch it, so much the better, because they'll also walk away a little bit educated. Yeah. It's like for the, me, uh, it's that's more like La Vie on Rose, where I I never heard of Marion Cotillard. Right. I remember that Oscar as like There Will Be Blood versus um, versus the Cowboy Brothers, No Country, no Country for Old Men, and then she wins the Oscar over like Julie Christie and these like classic broad like not Broadway Hollywood actresses. And then I went and was like, well, what is this performance? And then it was towering. There was a lot of drug use. She aged really well and that kind of stuff. So if, if that was in America and under these, these circumstances are so absurd and so wild. It's also just real. The, it's not it's just the, this. Uh, this. All right. I was thinking about Viola Davis a lot. We are going to do an episode in the future where we kind of talk about our list and stuff. But of course, I was thinking about Viola and Francis McDormand and like, OK, the, the three knockout performances. But I think we did a good job tackling with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The Viola Davis, you know, because it's a play, she's not handed an arc like this. She has mm. a few powerful scenes. So, like, character-wise, that woman knows how to act her ass off. So she came in with a full character. Uh, Frances yeah. McDormand, I think, again, I think we did a good job talking about how quiet her performance was. She listened most of the time. It wasn't a dialogue-driven performance. This mm-hmm. Andrew Day performance, 
on the page and what she did with it has just one of those arcs that is undeniable. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, what well, that was the greatest performance of the year. I just yeah. think it's undeniable. Also, I mean, I mean that's going to be, so, that's like when we get to the picks, that's going to probably be mine. For, yeah. I think yeah. mine too. Well, I think sometimes, you know, our, we try to be, we make this a drinking game so that we're not stuffy. Like, you know, the, the wannabe critics, we, we, we are trying to be the antithesis of that. And then, you know, it's, it's sort of a tough line for us to drive, but we, we do our best for this. I'm actually happy that we do this because the critics can go fuck themselves for a lot of this. Like they keep talking about, like, as I think the way Dave described it was perfect. It's like, what did you say? It was like a little plotty. I forget what your exact word is. It a little disjointed, a little come up. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is, but go fuck yourself. This is a powerful film. You know what I mean? And I think that's where I land because there were a bunch of times I, I, I read a bunch of critics that were saying, well, there's too many men. So there's like too much emphasis on all the men in her life. She's at the I mean, center of yeah. this. Like she is by, she is definitely the anchor of this. And yeah. And, and, and if you really sit back and don't take notes, which I struggled with, but I did. And you actually, you're like, who is she even fighting with now? You're like, wait a second. Is this her boyfriend, her husband, or the FBI agent who's going to be her boyfriend? And you're like, who is she in the, who's the next person that she's going to get a fight? Is this her drug dealer? And it's like that all, by the time she gets to this montage in the middle of the film, which is the climax of the film for me, which is way earlier than most films, Although the end sequence at the hospital, she dies at 44. And yes, they do get there. When she's laughing in the ex-FBI interview, like it's like, it's so worth it to watch the whole movie for that scene. And she laughs for five (laughs) minutes. It is so, so good. But yeah, just back and the whole and the whole time you think that they're gonna be planting heroin on her and she's just like, you know, like go fuck her, go do whatever. Fuck the fuck yourself. You yeah, do. exactly. Anyway, yeah. the real climax is when she finally sings the song. And leading up to that is is one of the more artistic um, oh yeah heroin has been used in film in many different ways paul thomas anderson did a pretty good job with it um but it's like it's weird because you you can you don't want to glorify it but you also don't want to make it seem um too down to it, it's it's a hard subject matter to to bridge especially given the um the psychocentric like nature of it I think. I don't know much about the drugs. So I shouldn't be talking too much about it but anyway sequences like this happen where they're in a conversation and then they pass out and then they enter this dreamlike stage where now Jimmy, this FBI agent, is talking to a girl. It's a child who is in a whorehouse. So first of all, kudos to the parents for letting the daughter do that role uh, <laughs> for like the young, like the young. But now, but it's Andrew Day, it's Andrew Day's voice, but the young girl's acting it out. And you're in this whorehouse from where her mom, Billy Holiday's mom was apparently in a whorehouse. Baltimore. And the sequence is so bizarre. So when Jimmy's crying at the end, it's like you almost went on this experience with her. And then she sees the lynching. Ugh. And I don't know if it's in realism anymore or not, which is good. I don't mm. know. Am I still in a trip? Like, it's really strange. And then all of a sudden she's on stage singing this song. And that 15 minute sequence is a little, it's a little confusing but not when you're watching it. Yeah. When you're watching it, it makes total sense. And by the time she sings that song that you've been waiting an hour and a half for, it is so, so, so powerful that any critic who said like, oh, well, I think this here or that, go fuck yourself. Does it feel a little long? Maybe, but it's so worth it for that. Like, it was so worth it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, dude. Jeff gets the, the first gush of the night. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> nice! I think the, the, what you're describing too, I could not stop thinking about in a good way. Every time it came up, heroin use, you know, this is way, again, we all grew up with Reagan's war on drugs. Like we yeah. heard Nancy yeah. talking, this was not, they, they used that term back then, but it was not what it is Gotta now. Got to be at war with so something. The, I thought they caught the, uh, the, there was a little bit more of a casual usage. Like it was, it was, a, I don't think it was just in her crew. 
you know, that seem to understand that, yeah, Billy does this, we do this. I feel like there was a, they did a good job of making it a little bit more approachable so that I felt like it was believable when that FBI agent, Jimmy Jimmy Fletcher, decides to do it with them. I didn't feel like it was over the moon kind of stakes where he fell in love with her so hard he had to do it. It was like, yeah, I'm totally in this world. This seems like something that wouldn't be a huge deal. Whereas nowadays, unless he was truly deep undercover, just with all the propaganda we've had on the war on drugs, it would be super unbelievable for the agent to just yeah. casually do that. Mm. And I, I just couldn't yeah. stop thinking about it. So I felt like that sequence did something that the rest of the heroin usage did not do. It, it, the rest of it kind of did what I was talking about. So when it arrived at that sequence, I was I was shook by what they what they chose to do with that surreal kind of dream flashback and her kind of telling them about her life. Especially that, again, knowing that in real time, they're just sitting there in chairs, doped out of their mind, laying on laying down kind of half passed out and she was just telling him about her childhood. I just, right. yeah, I, I really thought there was a lot of really good usage of, uh, that kind of, I love when people can pull off surreal, uh, theatricality, some fantasy, like almost fantasy sequences, dream sequences. Um, and I feel like this, this might be the reason why some people are so frustrated by the structure of this script is that I think they wanted that to make, a statement on how they could connect periods of her life. And I think for some people that did not work for them. And I don't know. I think I agree with you, Jeff. Like I was noticing them, like the person thinking about structure in my head was noticing when I thought the structure was a little off, but the emotional side of me, my heart was in it. So who gives a shit? (laughs) You know, like whenever that happens in movies, I try to keep telling myself like, fuck it. Also, we have to call out something, I think just to be at least open-minded we're talking about a lot of movies that are being made by filmmakers who have a point of view on life and experience that we don't have. Shouldn't we also make room for new opinions on how to tell stories with cinema? Is, is that going to yeah. mean different style and different approach to structure? I hope so. Yeah. I hope they keep yeah. challenging that's, me, right? That's the point, so, right? Yeah. yeah. So that is the overwhelming I mean, feeling I've had for all four of these movies we've had the opportunity to watch in this sequence. Yeah. And I, just I would rather example. rewatch. I would rather rewatch Friday Night Lights, which has some of the dumbest side storylines of all time, including serial killer Landry, which is just a dumb storyline for Friday Night Lights. Um, <laughs> for <laughs> for is that for Friday Night Lights or for Jeff? <laughs> for, for me, probably. But but at the same time, because of the emotional punch, I would rather watch that series again than a so-called great film the great experience that critics love. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would sit through Serial Killer Landry to get to that final montage again. Sorry, not to deviate from this. I, I should say two things. Number one, um, uh, uh, Billie Holiday was recently in pop culture because Audra McDonald's legend, Six Tony Awards, uh, did a stage show called um, Lady Day at the... Fuck, I just forgot it. I knew I wasn't going to need to write it down. Emerald, at the Emerald Ball. At the Emerald Ball? Fuck. They made an HBO um, movie about it. So there's a made-for-TV movie about it. Now, she is a classically trained singer, and she does a really good job with the voice, but it was interesting. This is probably more in realism of yeah. how Billie Holiday would have sounded this film, whereas Audrey McDonald could sing that eight days a week pretty healthily, uh, not like she just poked a, a pack of menthols. Um, and then also the last time that two Black women were nominated for leading actress yes. this year. It's Viola Davis and Andrew Day. The last time was Cecily Tyson and Sounder and Diana Ross, who played Billie Holiday right. in Lady Sings the Blues. Yeah. 
Which, uh, you know what, as, as excited as I, as I, I'm not taking anything away from what we just said, but that's fucked up that we, that it took another life-changing Fuck performance yeah. from a great unknown, you know, a uh, first time actor in a, 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 an iconic role for us to be like, oh yeah. You know, like yeah. it, it, not us, I don't blame us. It's whoever chose to produce these things, you know, to take chances on this. I never blame audience members. I think where anyone is always if you're a movie lover, you're game for a good movie. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Just, but you need to have the movie put in front of you. So yeah. for like, them to take chances on these pro- stories. Producers need to stop like <laughs> second guessing what we want. Yeah, if it's good, it's good, motherfucker. Especially yeah. nowadays with the streaming and stuff. We're all sitting in front of TVs every night anyway. We're only listening to what our friends tell us. You got to check this out. I don't care who produced yeah. it, what color their skin is, what it's about. If it's good, I'm yeah. watching it. I Dude, think Kevin Costner nailed it. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> buzz yourself you asshole We're talking about uh, and, and, and if Netflix wants to have like a black filmmaker section you better fucking fill it up alright because they did that like in the wake oh, no. of all the stuff going on in 2020 and they're like this is the black filmmaker section and they had a pretty good list but keep it coming Netflix keep it coming, all right? yeah. having one little subcategory is I not mean, enough yeah. uh, and this film they, is they get, I mean, now that we've got the like because of course there was the diversity change this year for the, the Oscars as well right 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 um, I mean, twenty yeah. twenty the the rule change. I don't know. Was that responsible for what we're getting now, or was it just that they made some fucking phenomenal films? And it's sad that we might not ever know. Yeah, right. Well, it's two years behind because the, most of these films were like cast. You know, got their funding in two thousand nineteen for the twenty twenty year. Mm. So by the time the twenty twenty Oscars were coming around, it, so it's two years behind. Um, but no, I, I, I think. Just- I think streaming's right. Make it and put it and see what yeah, happens. I, I want to touch on, like, we started with uh, the Andy Lynch in law, and yeah. as the movie does, and we probably should finish with the Andy Lynch in law as the movie does, because it brings up a fucking horrifying fact in the end credits in that in 2020, they tried to pass this thing again, and it still hasn't passed. Now, that's still current, right? Because of basically yeah. one person. I mean, would you, would you say basically one person that it got brought up like again? Mitch McConnell? <laughs> yeah. Or are you saying Mitch McConnell? Uh, from, from the research, no, from the research I did, Rand Paul's holding it up. Yeah. Uh, because so he wants to re- he wants to reword it. Yeah. The filibuster. Yeah. I mean, there's so much racism. The the, the first thir- 1934 lynching was held up because of the Southern senators filibustering. It's fucking 2020. How do you get to a point where, like, this is still a questionable law, or this is still a negotiable law? Get rid of the filibuster. Fuck off. Yeah, you you got to pass the Voting Rights Act, and then this has to get up there. And and if people want to vote no on it, you got to. And you think I'm angry now? Why do we get to music? Voting no on a. But again, you know what? This is this is why we're doing this podcast, right? Like, I really do believe that art can change culture, and I think the more. People that see movies like this and when, uh, you know, institutions like the Academy, whether or not you respect the Academy Awards, that's a big PR Mm. thing. So when she wins, and I think she's going to win, you know, I think hopefully more people will be like, oh, I've got Hulu. And maybe they'll check it out. And then maybe they'll feel a little bit different. I mean, I I never, I avoid (laughs) politics like crazy. I buzz other people for mentioning politics. So for me to actually bring that up should give you you an idea how fucking disgusted I was to read that and then research it and find out that it's still true. And Dave yeah. just did a citizenship. He just did a citizenship <laughs> test too, yeah. so he knows all about I the did stuff. I a green card, dude. I got a ways to go. You guys don't even know your own fucking procedures. Uh, yeah. Come on. 
You're totally right. right. <laughs> You're right. We have the, Dave, we have freedom in this country. Freedom to be idiots, all right? Let's do it, people. That is the United States next, versus Next week on the pod, idiocracy. There is humor in there, yeah. by the way. There is some humor in this film, too. There there's there's a dog funeral that's really oh funny. Oh, my so God. There's some, there's some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my baby, my baby. Also, my baby, also um, I just want to quickly bring attention to um, oh, what was his name? Was it her Les- friend, Leslie? Jo- no, Leslie, Leslie Jordan, who played the guy who starts who, start, who starts interviewing her. He's also a, like a re- recurring character on American Horror Story, but um, he was perfectly unlikable in that he's he did the same right. thing that they did um, in several of the other films, where he just started off perfectly innocently and just like drop this line and you're like, did he just say that? And it's a line that's would, yeah. would have been perfectly acceptable to a white person back then. And it's like, no. And he, he kind of, he has this little journey where he almost gets a little bit, a little bit educated, but he never quite gets there. Cause like they kind of abandon that like two thirds of the way through, yeah. but it, it was, he was a really, he played a really unlikable character really well for me. Wait, I'm sorry, sorry. Who are you talking yeah. about? I'm trying to remember who the guy who's the guy interviewing. Who's exactly, him this is my problem. This is a little bit of a knock too. Is that he's an interviewer and then he comes up every now and then throughout the film, but it's a little random. Yeah. I think they could have used his character. Yeah, a bit. I, I mean, I would have liked to, for them to have completed no, that journey and have him like maybe get to a, yeah. a moment of catharsis or something, or at least redeem him yeah. in some way because he he started off irritating and then just went to oh yeah no you're not nice right. at all and then he, he sort of yeah. It was, I'm it was a lot of subtext in there, and it, they just never finished that. Yeah. I might anger people by making this connection, but in Titanic, you always mm. know the whole movie is a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're totally right, dude. You always, yeah. you always know the entire story that you're watching is being told, and you're just watching the visualization of the story being told by the old lady to the guys. Hmm. In this movie... They start that and then they leave it and then they come back to it for pacing purposes when it's convenient. I feel like they could have done a better job with that if I'm going to. But I like that he did a good job. I already joke buzzed you, so I won't buzz you for that one, but you still have to drink. (laughs) I just started to. We're ending the segment. I didn't have to be negative at the end of the segment. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, people, that's the United States versus Billy Holiday, streamable right now with your subscription service on. Hulu. We are going to take a quick break to just make sure we have a nice empty bladder for music. Written and directed, or co-written and directed by Sia, with music by Sia. We'll talk about it in a second. Music, people. See you soon. And we're back, We're back. We're back, baby. All right, we're back for Dave's favorite part of our podcast. This is the Redemption film. The Get Redemption that bourbon film. ready, Dave. <laughs> this movie has been nominated for some Razzies, and it was nominated for some Golden Globes. Who would have thought? Um, so this is music, written and directed by Sia. The story is... The story is... Just getting ready? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you listening listening to the podcast, (laughs) Dave has just grabbed two giant beers and a handle of whiskey. He's all right. Well, okay. Again, we, we, I'm assuming that people listening to this segment here have not seen the film, but it's about zoo. Z U who is played by Kate Hudson is newly sober when she receives news that she is to become the sole guardian of her half sister named music. 
Now that's really misleading because we saw the movie from music's point of view. So we know why Zoo got that phone call. It makes it seem like she got the phone call out of the blue. So music, who is a autistic teenage girl played by Maddie Ziegler of Dance Moms fames, fame, her grandma, who is her legal guardian, dies suddenly. And so her older sister, Kate Hudson, named Zoo, who is newly sober, has to become the sole guardian of her. Um, so yeah, so Maddie Ziegler's character, Music, that could be confusing because there are a lot of music videos in this. And the movie is called Music, but the character's name is Music. She is a young girl on the autism spectrum. The film explores two of Sia's favorite themes, Finding Your Voice and Creative Family. Written by Sia and Dallas Clayton and somebody else. And it was directed by Sia. It stars Kate Hudson, Maddie Ziegler, Leslie Odom Jr., who is hoping that people forget about the fact that he was in this movie, even though he made some cool music videos. Um, speaking truth. <laughs> Here's how I'm going to step. Oh, fuck. I went with the Irish coffee cream. This is a heavy beer to be drinking during this. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's what I'm going to say in my preface here. Jeff has made poor so life choices. It's about choices. a girl. It's about a girl who's, who is on the autism spectrum. Deep. She it, is it, what I would. It, yeah. An extreme case of autism. She's low functioning. Yeah. Low functioning. Exactly. Um, very extreme case. Um, so Maddie, let's talk about Maddie Ziegler for a second. Maddie Ziegler, when she got offered this role, she was 16 years old. And she filmed this role when she was 17. So she's gotten a lot of shit online because she's playing an autistic character and she's not autistic in real life. Now, what I would say to that is it's hard to shit on a teenager the same way. Like if you can't even buy a gun in Georgia, then maybe you shouldn't be shat on publicly for your work at a film. Also, I imagine, I imagine that she had an acting coach who is probably trying very hard (laughs) to, to not be named. In this. I'm going to go ahead and say that that person wants to not be named. Okay, first of all, uh, in defense of Maddie, um, sure, she made a choice. She, uh, I read a, an, an article, actually, about this because I researched the hell out of this. And let's face it, the fact that she was um, playing an autistic person, not an autistic person, was probably the least controversial thing about this damn film. Um, because... Okay. Uh, at when she she went to see her and broke down crying apparently saying she was afraid people were going to think she was making fun of autistic people and see her assured her she wouldn't let that happen and uh, now I don't know how much truth was in that article because it was very slanted towards making their point that this was bad um, <laughs> yeah but it's like if you if your actor approaches you and goes I'm I'm not sure about this and you go no it's it's not on the actor anymore it's yeah. on the director so and- the con- yeah, so the controversy as Dave started to unravel here, and I'll give you the floor fully in mm. a second. Is well, first things first. So Maddie Ziegler, you probably don't know who she is, but she's in the Chandelier music video. If you've been on YouTube, um, she's been in a lot of Sia's videos. Her videos have been seen five billion times. She was in a video with um, Shia LaBeouf that has been seen a billion times. That was also a Sia song. That was also really strange. She's on Dance Mom. Yes. She used to win every single week. She's an amazing, amazing dancer. Her and her sister used to tour the world dancing. Like she's literally made a career dancing yes tv helped but she is like a a proper dancer sia apparently again i I don't think sia originally went into this trying to be too risky i think she thought she'd be able to pull this off and make a my left foot Mm. or make a a gilbert grape or one of these other ones where you have a so-called able-bodied person pulling this off but the controversy really erupted 
when a lot of people said, I think it's insensitive that you cast this at the at that time, 17-year-old girl to be playing somebody that is is high functioning autistic, you know. And I don't think they understood the concept, which is Sia wanted to be able to go back and forth between this dance dream world of the autistic character and our reality, where we think, you know, so-called um autistic people in the autism spectrum, um, we don't know how they can monetize their life. Like what like what can come with that person being in our our version of reality and society. Um, and so Sia wants to go back and forth. So rather than just casting Maddie as the fucking dance double, <laughs> she decided that she was going all in. And she basically said, fuck you to all the haters on Twitter. And she started attacking people on Twitter. And she, that's where the controversy really came down to it. She has since apologized for that. Um, yeah. Now, here, the other the controversy is ongoing because she apologized for that, saying, uh, and also one of the things that they took exception to was the restraint scenes which are not appropriate for controlling someone who's having an, like an, an episode or an outburst. Um, and they're not technically what you're supposed to do to an autistic person when they're like experiencing that. And she apologized for that, said she didn't understand and that the, the film would come with a warning at the beginning. And then in later releases, she'd remove those scenes entirely. Neither of those things happened. True. And it just got dumped onto like streaming services in all its fun glory. Now, I don't know if that was a seer decision or if it was the producers just going, fuck it, let's just dump the thing. And, uh, but either way, like all the stuff she said she was going to do to fix that she apologized for, none of that happened. And that's where the current controversy is really kind of coming out of the woodwork. I mean, all that would really count if this was a good film at all you really didn't like it you hated the movie outside of that like this has nothing to do I, with why you dislike dude, it this is this is not a movie this is like it's four or five scenes it's an experimental this is film four, this is four or five scene studies and eight music videos yeah i guess i feel like i i wouldn't say it's my thing i'm not really into like that kind of pop music and stuff but in terms of appreciation I would hate for someone as creative as Sia to be told you can't do this again because you crossed mm. the line with with casting her. Um, again, I don't think it's for everyone, and I do think it's an experimental film. I don't think this should have been marketed as anything other than this is an art film. It's a music video piece. Um, Kate Hudson is really good in it. I think she I think she does a really good job, and Leslie Odom Jr. You know, is is doing a good job. He didn't, ex- you know, explode off the screen for me the way he did in One Night in Miami. Um, and the girl didn't didn't make me uncomfortable the entire time, only because I asked myself very early on as an audience member, Sia clearly made the decision: Do I want to have somebody who's actually low functioning, autistic in life? have to, are we going to build our music sequences around someone that has those those particular faculties? Or do I want someone who can transition into this world and try to show people who are low-functioning autistic that in, in their minds and in their dreams, like, yeah, you can be whatever you want to be. And maybe there's a way for the world to see you as you see yourself. And I felt like she made that decision early on, so I was trying to be on board. I am not trying to sound judgmental to a 17-year-old. Because she really, I, I forgave her from the get-go, but I really do think it comes down to, she might have just been too young to pull this off. There have been oh, performances yeah. Yeah. where we're a little uncomfortable talking about it, 
But then you sit down and you watch I Am Sam, My Left Foot, Gilbert Grape, and you're like, hmm. oh, they're so fucking good at it that I really don't care because yeah. it's, you know, it's maybe it's necessary. I mean, no one's coming at Dustin. No one's coming at Dustin Hoffman. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, um, now I, d- I was trying to look up is the autistic community as upset as mothers and fathers and representatives of the autistic community. And yeah, not I mean, super surprised. A- it does look like it's mostly people who are running the organizations who are parents, friends, family members of people who are dealing with this. So I would love to sit down and talk one-on-one, like when you, you know, with somebody who is, who has this condition and to talk with them about like, what is this? How does this make you feel? Do you feel like, is that what you, in your dreams, are you, you, or can you be more than you? Do you feel like you could fit in better in your fantasies? And is that what Sia was trying to capture? And does it offend you? Cause that's really the question. I think sometimes we tend to get on these, yeah. these, like I remember when Brokeback Mountain came out, <clears throat> everybody was very upset about it. We, Jeff and I went to a school majoring in music theater we had a lot of friends in the gay community who were kind of half and half. I feel like some of them were really upset. And the whole time I was thinking like, you know, I don't know if anybody would go see this film if it didn't have those names. That's not me saying that. That's just an unfortunate truth. And also, they're so fucking good in it. Do you really give a shit? Like the story came across. So the reason I'm saying that is because at the end of this movie, it did get me thinking about the things Sia wanted me to think about. I, again, it might not be the movie for me. I might not love Sia's music. But if I was supposed to think about what it might feel like to be to be going through life with that and to wonder what it would feel like to escape from that through music and music fantasy, <laughs> I think she I think she yeah. did a pretty good job of that. It just it just might not be mm. the movie for me. It's might maybe not be the movie for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, abs- I, I absolutely you. disagree. Oh, That's I'm cool. somewhere in the middle. That's I cool. think the story does the story does obviously I'm gonna let you talk about that day, but I think the story does get in the way of the fantasy element because I agree. there's too much story. I do agree with that. And yeah. there's there's too much acting and and maybe they should have just gone with those weird Beatles, Beatles movies. Also, Sia didn't want to write the music for this and then she was paid an extra $10 million if she would do the music herself. Yeah, um, so her those, mu- those music, music numbers didn't exist in the original film. I was actually going to ask you, Dave, because you film music videos, but you wow. have a lot of takes. So you, I'll, I'll give you the floor. But I was like, I've seen Sia's music videos because I've seen some of the dance moms and I knew that Maddie mm-hmm. Ziegler was in this and she's a people's choice award winner for some of her music videos. Um, see a films, these music videos like films, they're very strange. They're not what you would think of for pop music. None of these music videos in this movie to me were on the level of the, her normal music videos. Cause it mm. almost seems like she had too many Which to do. It's really she funny because the DP of the film filmed most of her music videos. Yeah. I saw that too. I, yeah. I know. I know, but, but, but maybe it's just me and my bias with the film and the story and being like, why is Kate I mean, Hudson and Leslie they, Adams they, singing They literally song right used now, you know? the one box stage and just redecorated it the whole time. Yeah. So Yeah. And you know, like whatever. Some of the, the chandelier set was just like a, a shitty apartment building, but like it seemed to have a life of its own. I don't think yeah. any of these music videos had that that pinch. You know? Like what do, what do you think about the music videos? I mean, I, 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 I made the comment actually was like, was she trying to do an Americanized version of Bollywood? And I'll, I'll buzz. I'll buzz for that. But like, that's a that's a serious question. It's like it had musical numbers that they burst into with bright, colorful costumes, and then at the end there was a dance number where everyone who was dead came back. Right. It, it wasn't it, even the best dancing, too. Which she's mm. done a good job in the past. This is also of like, especially having Maddie, who's a great. She was a great child. She really was. She's a great so good. Child she's, dancer. She's, she's really good. Yeah. 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 But and and to not make her overdance, like it's not a competition. You know, the character does matter more. But there were a lot of times where I was like. 
I don't feel like they sucked all the juice out of that lemon. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they left. Like That they... was a question I wanted to ask both of you. And I, I th- I've already said, I think that I would classify this as an experimental film, not a musical. Yeah. Should it have been a musical? Would that have fixed some of these problems for us if every I mean, one of those should videos it have been wasn't made just at all? a... If every one of these videos wasn't just a, if every one of these videos wasn't just a, I kind of felt like they were snapshots of a moment as opposed to a musical, a song should take us from one point to the other, not just kind of a a snapshot. But then of course they told me, they literally told me in the script that music sees the world through snapshots. So then I was trying to get on board with that. Like, okay, maybe she doesn't think of it in a linear conversation, a soliloquy, the way a song is. I don't know. Do you think it should have been more musicalized? It was was like, no, I mean, it was written by Sia and a a children's book author. So I feel like a lot of the stuff was like very presented simply. And like they started to lose me when we started to get into musical numbers and music's not even there. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm asking, right? It just just went off the rail and became like something that it didn't set out to be in the first place. And I'm like, this yeah. is this is an absolute fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> Wait, that's actually a really good point. The whole the whole idea of the music videos was that's how music sees the world. And also, which whether or not also, that's offensive or not doesn't matter. But then there's a music video with just Leslie Adam Jr. and Kate Hudson. It's like, is is music watching this? Or is yeah. this not even her anymore? That's but also point. like we get to, yeah. we get to a point where we're like, okay, we've got to make uh we need a like a, a a bit of a like to up the drama a bit. So do we write some snappy dialogue? No. We just introduced that one of the characters is HIV positive in the middle of all of this after not even alluding to it at all. And then it, it, it just felt cheap to me. The whole thing felt cheap. He did have that one scene where he was on the phone, but I agree, even at that point, before we knew it was HIV, I was a little bit like, what, why? Why are we doing that? I don't know if that's necessary. Let's get right. back to music. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of intensive because he's from Ghana, so it's almost like, well, he's from Ghana. He probably just got it. You know what I mean? It, it didn't seem to cross yeah, the bridge. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know that sounds like I'm joking about it, but I'm actually saying, like, we need to stop doing that. No, I'm just buzzing you for that. generalizations. Uh, I I think I think that takes us back in a good full circle in a responsible way to what Jeff was saying initially. It almost feels like Sia realized as they were either writing this or making this that music's point of view wasn't going to hold up. So it's like they kind of transitioned slowly, sloppily, kind of started going away from trying to maintain her point of view. They put it more on Zoo's point of view, Kate Hudson, and I think that's where I lost some of the magic. If well, that's the funny thing. It, it, be, it becomes apparent this was never music story at all. It wasn't. Which, again, if they had done that correctly and realized that, tried to make us see that, like, look, we know most people aren't autistic, so we're going to try to get you to realize sneakily that this is how you should view the autistic community. I think we would all be like, oh, that, you know, I learned a lot. But I don't know if I learned a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if it came around to this. And also, just to put an exclamation point on that. I think if she did try to go for that, whether or not she wanted to abandon the point of view or not, I do think by casting someone who actually lived with that reality, someone who actually was low-functioning autistic, to raise their circumstances inside a fantasy music music sequence well, would have heightened the emotional circumstances dramatically. One of the, indi- one as, of the interviews. This, hold on. As good as this girl is, and she is really good. I was like, okay, that girl is a good dancer. She's captivating as fuck in the camera. I didn't feel like I was connected to music at all. I felt like I was watching a really good dancer. And I fucking hate that shit. I can't fucking stand watching <laughs> people just dancing without any attraction 
or any um, cohesiveness to what is happening to them emotionally. So it felt like just every time they went into the music sequence, I felt like I was watching an escapist kind of thing that, that Sia was choosing for me. Not even music. I didn't even feel like music was escaping. I felt like Sia was escaping, which frustrated me. Sorry, Dick, what were you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that. Okay. Uh, one of the interviews uh, that I read with Sia was that they did actually cast someone um, who was on the spectrum um, to play the role. But because of the nature of the, the musical interludes they introduced with flashing lights and a lot of movement and everything, it was too overwhelming and they had to recast. I did think about that. Now, again, though, creatively, if we're sitting around our, our department head's table and we're, we're making this film with our storyboards and planning, that is obviously the giant decision. Do yeah. we craft our musical sequences around the needs of this person? I think there is a lot to gain from doing that, considering you're trying to create that reality. If so you're I, trying to create their world, yeah, create a world they can fit into. But um, Exactly. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, this was such a mess that, like, I'm sorry, my neighbours were having a very loud argument out the window. That was more fucking interesting than what was going on on the screen. <laughs> Really? Well, first of all, that's always more interesting than what's going on. Your <laughs> your neighbors yeah. having an argument. No, dude. Okay, seriously, if you want a real yeah. benchmark, I got a call mid about an about the hour and three mark in this movie from Capital One trying to offer me a credit card for the thousandth time, and I fucking answered it. You considered mm. it, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but do you, is there a world in which the abstract? You know, fuck it. I'm not even gonna ask that question. No, no, no. Ask it, it, dude. Ask it, like, dude. Is there, a there, is there a world in which this abstract uh, concept that's apparently based on Sia's friend or somebody Sia knows, this character is based on Sia's friend, is there a world that, that this you can pull this off and it's not offensive, where it's like, well, this is how they see the world. They see it like a, a music video. And it's like, okay, well, that seems a little risky, but is there is there a world that, that could have been pulled off in the first place? Or is this dude very the fucking risky. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say this. Know, I'm going to bring but, this up. But, Roger Deacon's... Shout out to the Deacons podcast that he talks about this a lot. Okay. And I do think, I do think I agree with him in a certain sense. He always talks, sometimes you can tell he's getting frustrated because he talks about the style of movies nowadays. And of course he's talking from a, mostly from the point of view of a cinematographer, how about everybody is obsessed with like naturalism. Like we're losing our style. He's, you know, he's such a huge fan of noir and older films. They have a lot of style mm. on them from alters, European alters and stuff. So Part of me is wondering if are we conditioning modern audiences to expect fucking realistic mirrors to society? In which case, now you're talking about the subjectivity of the artist who's making it. Do they have the talent to pull off a style to reflect something that they hope is still truthful, but maybe not realistic? So no offense to see it, but I'm not shocked that she's not a genius enough filmmaker yet to maybe pull off something that could have been worth approaching. If she were to pitch that to me, and she was a genius filmmaker. I think there's probably a story there that would have really been interesting. I just don't know if she had the skill set to, to do it yet, which is why I'm going to go back to my early point. I, I don't think she made a terrible movie. I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. I don't think she made a terrible movie. I don't want this community to shut her down because she's I obviously- I you for disagreeing super, with me. She's super creative, right? <laughs> she's a super creative person. I don't want Beyonce to stop making her films. I don't want Sia to stop making her films. I think they do have something experimental that is very unique. I just don't know if she was good enough to make this one yet. Oh, that's terrible okay, to my, say. But. It's really funny because my wife just, my wife has tuned in. Uh, Teresa's tuned in and she's like, surprisingly, I agree with John. Oh, <laughs> okay. 
I got I got one <laughs> which is really I'm funny not, because I'm never the except, one arguing for she, a film. You she's guys. Like, wait, wait, wait. There's a caveat here. Except it's a terrible movie. Terrible. <laughs> you didn't like that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's sure. that's for Therese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I must point in. She's she's like I I I agree with. Uh, I agree with John, Hoffman's but uh, I actually got yelled. Yeah, Hoff jumped in as well. Uh, I agree that uh, she she did shout out midway that uh, while I was watching this that we need need to give the love of cinema its own profile on our streaming services so it doesn't fuck up our, our algorithm algorithm and give us anything like this ever again. So, <laughs> oh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Look, all I, right. I think we've watched worse movies. I have watched yes, worse movies stay hungry, in just. than music. And even music, even in just this Razzie segment, I, I did not dislike watching this more than no, Artemis Fowl. Uh, what was the other one that really pissed me off? The, the week after Artemis Fowl, I was, I was angry about the one we did after that. That, that bothered me a lot. This was not my least favorite uh, Razzie film. It's just not a great film. It's probably not even a good film. I don't okay, know if it's a terrible right, film, that, but it's not let's, a good film. Let's, all right, let's bring it around to uh, Sia. See his cameo. Okay. What the uh, fuck was that? Possibly insensitive. Well, but I you're you're casting yourself as a celebrity pop star trying to buy drugs so you can sneak them across borders with your fucking private airline. What the fuck? Why would you cast yourself in your own film as such a fucked up character? Why did that? It sounds like something it? South oh, Park. It sounds like something that sounds like something South Park would do because it's a little insensitive. Because here's how it was presented. Kate Hudson selling drugs. Sia's character says, "Well, we need all the drugs you can have." And and Kate Hudson goes, "Whoa, are you having a party?" And she goes, "No, there was an earthquake in Haiti. Didn't you hear?" And so I'm thinking, like, what? They ran out of drugs. Like they need. So she's going to donate drugs, and that's like their. But it's actually because in the hospitals they um, they they're performing surgeries with just Tylenol, and so they need real drugs. So it's a little insensitive, but at the same time, it really does sound like something that South Park could pull off. I thought it was kind of funny. It also kind of yeah, sounds I, like something that I don't that, know. It was that, like, that it was pop culture. It it kind of sounds like something that that pop culture, not social justice warrior, but everybody trying to be on their p's and q's would say. Which again was a weird paradox in this movie. I feel like Sia was trying to be like, look, this is a great thing. I'm I'm working on the fringe, trying to do good things. I'm bringing the autism us, community yeah. to the forefront. It just sucked yeah. that you know in the scope of this film, this, it, this, it was this it whole thing kind of this whole thing struck me as a vanity project. Did it really? Did it really strike mm, you as a, yeah. strict, as a vanity project? Mm-hmm. See, it didn't strike me as a vanity project because, again, I don't know if she has the skill set as a filmmaker to know she was being vain. I, I think she well, was doing what, one what the, she One does. of the comments in one of the interviews that I read was like, oh, I directed my last video and I thought I was pretty good at it. So I thought I'd direct a film now. <laughs> so, All of her videos are pretty good. But yes, five-minute videos versus 100 minutes yeah, is okay. Let's play this game. Right. How often did you guys touch your remote or look at your phone to see how much time was left on the movie? I I, I ran out of my forty eight hours and 37. had to pop it twice. <laughs> Thirty seven yeah, days. Yeah, so I, I didn't. I didn't. But I, I I paused it halfway and then I I just couldn't pick up the second half of it for a couple of days. So I had I to. Just feel like, <laughs> I, I, I feel stopped. Like the- I stopped at the hour, the, the, the fifty nine minute mark just when Leslie Odom Jr.'s um, clip kicked in and recorded a reaction video and then went back to the film afterwards. But it was tough hitting play on that again. You went on Twitch? <laughs> you went on Twitch and did Where a reaction we? video? No. no, no, I recorded a reaction video of my wife watching it. 
Oh, yeah, and where yeah, can yeah. we find that video, Dave? Uh, uh, dude, I can play it for you right now if you like. Uh, we uh, let's like, play it. Let's have our friends find us on the socials. Okay, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can find that in the socials. I'll, I'll, I'll post that, and uh, it's, it's the reaction of Therese to the first two minutes of this film. Well, just because she this doesn't my... talk, so maybe it's not great for the podcast here. So it's she just puts her hand over her mouth. It's great. You got to go see it. It's great. Uh, what were we saying, John? I liked the guy who ended up dying. The neighbor who also may have had some. I'm not sure if he actually had an issue. If he was autistic or if he had some other kind of oh, yeah. uh, mental condition. But um, I really appreciated him. I liked whenever he danced with her in his sequence. In her sequences, I felt like his point of view was maintained. So the last thing I want to say is that. She gave me some good feelings in the very last musical sequence where the children come out and dance with her and she dances with the ghost yeah. of her grandmother and the boy, the neighbor who I was just talking about. Definitely. Um, I just remember yeah. thinking by the time it was done, I remember thinking, I don't know if the cinematic form of two hours built to this correctly. I think I could have just watched. Do you not know? Are Damn you it, he, he worded that too well for me to buzz. <laughs> I'll drink yeah. anyway. <laughs> I had Take good, feelings. I had good feelings, and there is no doubt in my mind that Sia wanted us to come out of this feeling more mindful of the autistic community and people that are yeah. living with mental Dude, conditions. I'm sorry, I, but I just those, don't know those, if she was a good. Yeah. The fucking subplots. I'm sorry. It's, true. it's the you didn't subplots. Like the guy? If, if, <laughs> no, if you, no, I love that guy. Come on, that but, shot, Dave. That like, shot in the boxing ring when he goes and hugs his opponent, and it cuts to the opponent's face, and he's like crying on the on the guy's yeah, shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was great. That was, great. But, <laughs> that was great, but what was the fucking point of it? Like he uh, literally he 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 got like two two hours, like fifteen minutes later, he got beat up by his dad and died, and there was like nothing until like I want to say twenty five minutes later, which was the payoff of something he was looking at. Like forty minutes before, and again, they, like the all right. of these sub, all of these subplots seem like just an excuse for a fucking music video. And his and his bothered me. His bothered. You know, I said I liked him, and I, I stay with that. But, but his lack of development uh, kind of bothered me the most because I thought I was going to see something happen between him and music. Not necessarily like a love interest, but he, clearly they liked each other a lot. There, the flashlight yeah. scene got me. That touched me. When he was shining that was that was good. Screen. That was great. So I thought I was, was going to see like something. A, that was one yeah. of the three gems in this film. I agree. Yeah, that, I thought they were going to reveal more. So when they kept consistently abandoned their point of views, I was a little there less you go. interested. Was positive. <laughs> you were positive. Kate Hudson was good in this movie. I just don't know why it ended up being about Kate Hudson. I thought I was watching a, a movie called Music. This whole thing was supposed to be about music going in and out of the reality world. The reality world that we're like, we don't know. Wait, this is the only inset. This is the really, if we're going to get like insensitive about the filmmaking, which I'm with John, maybe she, maybe it's just, it, it just wasn't there yet. The film, the, whatever. The whole thing is supposed to be about this girl whose fantasy life and reality are blended in such a way. And maybe that is how Sia thinks that this character may be on the autism spectrum. Her fantasy life and her reality life are, are blended. And in reality, we never fucking see music. Music's in the background of the whole movie whenever yeah. it's in reality. So it's almost like we can't deal with her in reality, which seems insensitive. If if there is the argument for the insensitivity, which I am also on board with, Sia didn't mean to be intense, insensitive. Maddie didn't mean to be insensitive. So as far as hating people for this i do think intention matters and they didn't intend for that yeah. however if you don't know what to do with your character i didn't intend to kill reality, that hooker either but she's that's dead a problem 
Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> no, but Jeff, I do agree. Like you're sitting again, you're sitting there around your department heads table, you're planning this thing, and you come to that quagmire. If the autistic girl is like, well, she doesn't like the bright lights, and we need bright lights, so let's get her out of here. It's like, wait a second, maybe we're not doing When you say, yeah, correctly. when you come to that that decision and you say, eh, fuck it. We'll just put her in the background of every scene. I think you gotta She's realize in the background of every scene. <laughs> That's quicksand. Yeah, they're, gonna, they're gonna realize you you lost your way. <laughs> All right. Um, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep letting Dave air out his thoughts while he finishes his bottle of bourbon. Let me ask Uh, one last question. Let me ask. Let me ask one last question. Because Jeff, I think you do appreciate that style of music a little more than I do. Do you think the music was any good? Like, was that was Sia's music pretty cool for this? I liked that "Humans Are Insecure" song, which was like a interlude. There were a few songs that were catchy to me. I liked her main song that Kate Hudson kept singing. So would yes. fans of Sia appreciate the music to this enough to go watch this movie? Yeah, I will say, though, it might suffer from high bar syndrome where the other music videos, even the Shia LaBeouf one, which is Elastic Heart. People, if you're if you're still listening yeah. to this, please go look at it. It's Shia LaBeouf and, and like a 14 year old Maddie Ziegler in a cage. They're not wearing many clothes. It's like really bizarre and it, it, it might make you feel uncomfortable. Even that one. Isn't like, he wearing what she was wearing in Chandelier? Um, yeah, basically. They're both basically yeah. wearing the same thing that she yeah. wore in Chandelier. And it's very strange. Is it about assault? It's very, very strange. But at the same time, you know that there is a point of view. These videos are a little bright. They are all very clearly filmed in a production studio in L.A. Yeah. You can't escape that. Your fantasy world, my fantasy world is not in a I mean, production one studio. Of them look, you can't you, watch you remember, these videos without thinking you're in a production studio. You remember those studio, magic so. eye pictures from the 90s where you had to relax your eye and look into it and see a picture? That that last mm. one, like with the, the kid who just died in the suit, looked like one yeah. of those vomited. Oh, come on. I, think, I like that sorry, one. Wait, so like, yeah, it, it, it so, sucked. That, no, not the last one, but the second to last one. So to answer John's question, will fans of Sia like this? I think if they just did music video to music video, generally speaking, they would like it, but they would probably understand that only one of them would make it onto the Greatest Hits album. Cool. Well, I don't, I don't want us to be up. a part... <laughs> I certainly don't want us to be a part of telling an artist to, to stop creating, especially someone like Sia. No, keep is, keep keep going, keep doing what yeah. you're doing. I keep Just making keep doing music. It. Keep doing it, and fuck the haters. I do agree with Jeff. I, I am I am definitely in that school of thought. Intention matters. I think Sia learned from this. Keep creating, and I bet you could make I mean, something that is. That is I would really believe great one she day. learned from this if those scenes were cut or there was a warning at the start of this video, but that was ignored. Well, let's watch. Right. Your, let's see your second film. Let's see you know make another one. And let's you know what? You know what? Hollywood's such a piece of shit. They love a comeback story. Her next movie could win fucking Best Director for all you know. So it's <laughs> <Totally> like, <laughs> come on. All right, people, that's it. Next week, we are going to skip the Razzie stuff, all right, because we want to make sure we see these Oscar films. And and um, I don't want to And we're pretty much fucking Razzie done with the Razzies twice. after this. We're yeah. pretty much done with the Razzies. And Glenn Close yeah. and this, is, that's enough. So Dave, next Dave, week, we are going to... buzz gonna... the Razzies. <laughs> I'll drink for the Razzies as I'm winding yeah, down. this okay. is for the Razzies. Take that, Razzie. So we've got some heavy hitters next week. They're both, one of them's a renter. Nope, they're both renters. We're, we're doing it. We are doing Minari and Promising Young Woman. Minari and Promising Young Woman. They are both available via paid rentals uh, on Amazon or otherwise. So Minari, Promising Young Woman, a lot of nominations, a lot of buzz. Please watch them before next Sunday. Where, I don't know, the 20-something of, of, of March, or we no, are going to be talking about these guys. Yeah, films. okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we don't know what right. day it is. Yeah. We normally Final film words. on a, We normally record on a, on a Sunday night. Now it's Tuesday. We're all messed up. 
Yeah, it's now we're going over on a Wednesday. So, um, friends, it's been fun. I will see you next week. Thanks for sticking around, film fans. Peace!